You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 14. The Bible says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou knowest how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And then verse 16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Our Father, we love you. We thank you for your people. I thank you for the church. I thank you for the privilege that we have to assemble together here on this Sunday morning. I thank you for the great crowd that was here for the early service. I thank you for the sweet spirit there and just getting to walk around, get to wave, get to say hello to so many of our dear, dear members. I thank you for the privilege that we have to hold a copy of the Word of God. And Lord, forgive us so many times for not reading it like we should and not heeding it like we should. And Lord, I pray that you would please speak to our hearts as we look at your word this morning. Lord, I have a message on my heart that I believe needs to be preached and I believe it needs to be said. And I hope it'll be received well. I hope it will be an encouragement. I hope it'll be a blessing. I certainly have no intention of discouraging God's people, but Lord, I hope that the truth of the word of God will penetrate our hearts, and I pray that it will uh, speak to us and give us what we need and bless us and equip us for the work you've called us to do. We pray your blessing now upon this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I would like to talk to you this morning. Uh, I'd kind of been wanting to get to this uh, for a few weeks, and I, I know that the Lord's timing was right, and I think today's the day. But we had I Love My Church Sunday a couple weeks ago, and I really kind of went a different direction with that. It was Valentine's Day, and uh, we had uh, last two Sundays, we talked about uh, the test of love. And I hope that as God's people, I hope we have love. I hope that we stand for the truth, but I hope we never lose a heart of compassion for people. You see, we, we do not hate the sinner. We love the sinner, but we hate the sin. And sometimes people will, will view us and say, well, you are just so, uh, here, here's a, a good one you hear a lot, you are so intolerant. Uh, while someone expresses their intolerance of us, they're telling us you know, how intolerant we are. But I want to remind you that God sent His Son Jesus to come into this world, not to condemn the world, but so that the world through Him might be saved and to suggest that Jesus does not love sinners might be one of the, and I don't usually use this word, might be one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life because he loves sinners so much he came and died on a cross for the sinner. But I'd like to speak to us this morning. We had I Love My Church Sunday on February 14th and we continued last week with the, uh, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, the test of love. But I'd like to speak this morning on this last Sunday in February about the importance of the church. You see, I believe that the church is so important. 
I believe it's the most important institution on planet Earth. And the reason I believe that is because it's the only institution that Jesus started when he came to this earth. Now, I understand the home is important, and God instituted the home in the book of Genesis. Don't get me wrong. The home is so important. I believe government's important. Government was established by God. As a matter of fact, Romans 13 says that any power that government has, it's because God has given them that authority. But I want to speak to us today about the importance of the church. We read in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we read that we are a part of the church of the living God. Aren't you glad that God is not dead? Aren't you glad He's alive and well? And as a matter of fact, uh, if, you think, if you think that God is dead, you've got another thought coming because He's not only alive, but He's still on the throne and He is still in control. We are a part of the church of the living God. Paul calls it the house of God. This building here, this is God's house. And everything that happens in God's house, it ought to be to his approval, right? There should be nothing done in this service or out in the drive-in service or in the Evans building or, or, or anything that is done with our online services or radio ministry. There should be nothing done that is displeasing to God because this is his house belongs to him. He's the one that's in control. But notice what Paul says in verse number 15 about the church of the living God. He says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Now that word pillar, it literally means the support. You can imagine maybe in the old uh, Colosseums of Rome, they would have those massive pillars and those pillars would support the entire building or the entire structure. Then he says that the church is the pillar and ground. That word ground literally means the foundation. It's, it's, it's the foundation and the support of the truth. Now, what are we talking about here? We're talking about the church. We're talking about us. We are supposed to be the support and the foundation for the truth, yes, within the church, of course. I hope you came this morning and I hope you expected to hear the truth because that's what we believe around here. We believe what thus saith the Lord. But the church is not only the pillar and ground of the truth for the church, but the church is the pillar and ground of the truth for the world. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth for our society. Can I tell you, we're living in a society that doesn't know the truth. And to be honest, I'm not surprised because if all you do is listen to the media, if all you do is read the newspaper, if all you do is scroll Facebook, you're not getting a lot of truth there. If you're looking to a Hollywood and you're looking to the television shows and reality TV and you're looking to the sitcoms and you're looking for the truth, again, I've got bad news for you. You're not going to find a whole lot of truth. But if you want the truth, you've got to look to the source of truth, the Word of God, which is all truth. So I want to talk to you about why the church is so important because our society is in desperate need of the truth. We're witnessing it before our very eyes. I want you to notice quickly, and I'll give you some scripture references. Uh, you're welcome to turn there. I probably won't give you time to get there, but I want to talk about the importance of the church and the need for the church in 2021. Number one, 
as we talk about the need for the church, I want to remind you who is the head of the church. The head of the church is not the pastor. The head of the church is not the staff. The head of the church is not the deacon board. The head of the church is not the charter member. The head of the church is not the Sunday school teacher or the junior church preacher or the bus captain. The head of the church is one and only one person and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church. Ephesians 5 says that Christ is the head of the church. Colossians 1.18 that he, speaking of Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. We're not talking about a figurehead. We're not talking about somebody that's just got a title. We're saying Jesus Christ is number one. He is the preeminent one. He is the one who should have first place. And what he says is the way it should be in the church. The head means the one who is supreme or the one who is the chief. If you lose an arm, if you lose a leg, if you lose a toe, if you lose a finger, if you lose an eye or you lose an ear, you can survive. But if you lose the head, you cannot survive. And this church may lose a member. This ch church may lose a deacon. This church may lose a pastor. This church may lose a staff member. This choose, a church may lose a choir member, and I hope we don't lose any of those. But if a church loses some members of the body, that church can still go on. But if the church loses the head, it's over. It's done. You cannot survive without the head, and this church cannot survive without Jesus. I want to say that Jesus, as the head, should be the one that everyone sees. I didn't do this this morning, but had I bandaged uh, my ankle this morning and come in, you may or may not have noticed that. Had I bandaged my, my wrist this morning, you may or may not have noticed that. But if I came to church this morning and my entire head was wrapped in a bandage, uh, you'd notice that. And can I tell you, Jesus, as the head of the church, he ought to be the one that everybody notices. He ought to be the one that gets all the attention. He ought to be the one that gets all the glory. It is his church. Acts 20, 28, the Bible says, feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. You know why he's the head of the church? Because it belongs to him. Because he paid for it. He purchased it with his own blood. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said to his disciples, specifically to Peter, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. It's not your church. It's his church. It's not my church. It's his church. It is the church that belongs to Jesus Christ. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why do we need the church? Because of who the church is all about. We need the church because we need Jesus. Now, I think we understand that. I think we know that. I think that's why you're here today. I think that's why you're watching today. But I want you to stay with me because we need the church, meaning our society, our city, our county, our state, our region. We need the church because we are in desperate need of Jesus in this day. Number one, the head of the church quickly. Number two, I see in the book of Acts, as we see the, the, the start of the church and the working of the church, I see the harmony of the church. The Bible says in Acts 2.47 that the people were praising God 
that's a good thing to do. The Bible doesn't say they were criticizing one another. It doesn't say they were throwing rocks at each other. The Bible doesn't say they were gossiping. It doesn't say that they were fighting. It doesn't say they were bitter and they were mad and they were angry. It says they were so busy praising God. That's a good thing to do. And they were having favor with all the people. Now, that's a novel idea. You know what was happening in that early church? They were all getting along. Why wouldn't that be great? And by the way, I'm thankful for a church where people do get along. That's the way it ought to be. There ought to be harmony. There ought to be unity in the church. You say, well, 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 why do some churches not have harmony? Maybe because they're not praising God very much. The Bible says in Acts 2 that they were uh, seeing God add to the church daily such as should be saved. You know how you have harmony in the church? You try to get people saved. And when you're trying to get people saved, you're not worried about the little stuff. You're not worried about your feelings and you're not worried about, oh, well, this person said this or per this person uh, didn't say this. You're just glad when people get saved. You're just glad when people get born again. That's the mission of the church, by the way. Acts 9.31, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. Boy, isn't that good when churches are edified and churches are encouraged and churches are built up? They were walking, the Bible says, in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Now, keep in mind, Acts 9 says that the churches had rest. It says that they were comforted. Guess what was happening during that time period? They were being persecuted. They were being killed. They were being martyred. But yet in that church, they had the peace of God. In that church, they had the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God. They were encouraged. They were blessed. They were walking with God. They had a proper fear of God. Acts 13, they were sending out missionaries. Can I tell you, that's the mission of the church, is to send people out, not just to Roanoke Rapids, but to send people out uh, to the uttermost parts of the world. That's why we talk a lot about missions. That's why we've got all these mission boards. That's why we give so much to missions every year because that is our purpose. That's how a church stays in harmony when we're focused on reaching the lost. And then Acts 16, the Bible says the churches were established in the faith and they increased in number daily. They were established, they were strengthened and they were growing. That's the way a church ought to be. A church that is in harmony, it will be established and it will grow. Now, 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 18, tells us what not to do. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he said, when ye become together in the church, he said, I'm hearing that there are divisions among you. Can I tell you, that's not the way it ought to be at church. We'll talk more about this tonight in the service. I'm kind of going a different direction. We're going to talk about this subject. Can I tell you, we may not agree on everything, but we ought to agree on the main thing. And we ought to agree that, hey, our mission and our purpose is Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about that tonight. The early church had harmony. We need the church today. We need harmony in the church. These people were in harmony because they kept their focus on Christ. They weren't focused on uh, the color of the carpet and having fights over that. They weren't fighting about the color of the paint on the walls. They weren't fighting because somebody got recognized and somebody got left out. They were focused on the main thing. We need the church. The head of the church is Christ. There ought to be harmony in the church. Number three, I want you to notice in Acts 8.1, the Bible says that there was havoc. There was havoc 
in the church. The word havoc, it means to ravage or to devastate or to ruin. It says in Acts 8.3 that Saul made havoc of the church. He was the enemy of the church before he got saved. It says in Acts 8.1 that at the same time, there was a great persecution against the church and they were all scattered abroad. I want to make this very clear. I don't want you to misunderstand me, but I do not believe for a second that we are experiencing persecution today like they experienced in the book of Acts. Not even close, not even on the same planet, okay? We are experiencing some persecution, but it is nothing like what they experienced in Bible times. And it's nothing like other parts of the world are experiencing. Did you know there are people today, while we're here, there are people around the world that are meeting in hiding for fear of their life, for fear of being imprisoned or fear of being uh, fined. And we are so blessed that we get to worship God freely. And I thank God for that. But I do want to remind you today that the church is under attack. As a matter of fact, I'd be worried if the church were not under attack. I'd be worried if Satan kind of liked what was going on here. I'd be worried if we didn't bother Satan with what we're doing here. The truth is, Satan is the enemy, and he's not going to like what's going on in the church of the living God. The Bible says that Satan wants to destroy the church. Satan wants to destroy this church. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against it, but that tells me we are in a battle against hell. There is an enemy. The Bible says there are fiery darts of the wicked that are shooting at us. We have enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Our enemies should be the world, the flesh, and the devil. Our enemies should not be within. But you know how most churches are destroyed? Most churches that I have known of and most churches that I have heard about or most churches that I have seen that have closed, most of the time it's not the attacks of the devil. Most of the time it's the attacks from within. Can I say this? Satan may try to cause havoc in this church and the world may try to cause havoc in this church, but I don't want to be guilty of causing havoc in this church as a pastor, as a member, as a servant of God, I don't want to hurt the church. I want to help the church. I want to pray for the church. I want to pray for God's people. I want to serve God's people. I want to give to the church. I want to love. I want to edify. I want to do all I can to help the church, not hurt the church. Number four, we get to our text verse that we read, 1 Timothy 3.15. I'd like to talk about the help that the church brings, the help that the church brings for a society. We read that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. You see, the Christian, you and I as Christians, we are to be the salt and the light in this world. This world is a very dark place. This world is being destroyed by sin, and this world is going down fast. And as Christians, we're to be the salt, the preservative. We are to be the light, to shine uh, the light of Jesus Christ on a world that is lost and going to hell. The church must be the support. The church must be the foundation of the truth for society. You see, our nation is in great trouble. Our world is in a mess. Our community is in need of some serious help. The answer, without a doubt, is the church. 
The answer for our society, the answer for our country is not more executive orders. The answer for our country is not more stimulus checks. The answer for our country is not a higher minimum wage. It's not more social programs. It's not increased taxes, but the problem in our society, the answer to that problem is the church. Our society needs help. People need Jesus. People are dying without Christ. People are searching and struggling to find answers. In this last year, we have seen many churches across our country that have been restricted. We've seen many churches across our country that have been shut down. We've seen churches having to go to court, and we have seen churches having to fight just to keep the doors open. And I shouldn't get started on this, but I'll remind you about a month ago, we had a governor that said, you can't meet in the parking lot in your cars, but you can go to Walmart and you can go to the grocery store. And if you don't think there is an attack against the church, I got news for you. The church is under attack, but the church is the answer for our society. People are searching. People are struggling to find answers. And we in our country, we have lost our minds. I want you to please listen carefully. You may know some of this information, but if you don't, you're going to need to listen carefully to make sure that you don't just get bits and pieces of it. This last week, a representative from the state of Florida stood in the House of Representatives to debate the Equality Act, which it is called the Equality Act. It's about as far from equality as you can get, but they have named it the Equality Act. And he stood in the debate and he said that this Equality Act violates Christian beliefs. And I quote, he said this, The gender confusion that exists in our culture today is a clear rejection of God's good design. Whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against Him and will inevitably bear the consequences and I say to that representative from the state of Florida, you couldn't have said it better. That's exactly right. That wasn't a Baptist preacher. That was a, uh, a representative in Washington, D.C. saying this goes against the Word of God and I'm against it. You say, well, praise God. They voted it down, right? Oh, no. They voted it through the House of Representatives. As a matter of fact, the Representative from the state of New York, Jerry Nadler, you may have seen bits and pieces of this in the news, depending on which news you follow. Jerry Nadler answered this representative by saying, what any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. And I quote, what any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. The fact that fire did not fall on that place is only the mercy of God. Can I tell you, I'm not surprised that we have representatives that think those things. I'm not surprised we have representatives that believe those things, but I'm actually shocked that a representative would have the gall and would have the nerve and would have the pride to say, we don't care what God has to say in this place. 
He was standing in a place where you could go any direction, just a mile or two, and you could see inscribed in the stone references to God in the founding of our nation. Our founding uh, documents, our founding fathers believed in God and reverenced God, and now we have a nation that says we don't care about God. The representative was debating from Florida was debating the fact of this Equality Act. And that's a a whole nother story, and I think I'm going to actually tell it. Representative Nadler was encouraging his colleagues to vote in favor of the Equality Act. You say, what is the Equality Act? This act would require that churches and schools accept the the government's beliefs about sexual orientation and gender identity. Now, I got news for you. Our government doesn't even know where life came from. That same government still thinks we're here because of a big bang. I want to tell you, and you're going to let the government tell you about sexual identity and and, and gender and choosing your gender? This Equality Act would allow Boys in girls' sports, girls' locker rooms, women's shelters, and women's prisons. And by the way, if you try to stop that from happening, you will be the one that will be prosecuted. That's what this Equality Act is all about. This Equality Act will force doctors and medical professionals to participate in gender transition treatments, for patients. You will be forced as a medical professional. You won't be able to say, this is against what I believe that will not be acceptable. That's what this Equality Act is all about. And that Equality Act this last week passed through the House of Representatives going to the Senate. And I would encourage you to call the office of Senator Tillis and Senator Burr this week and say that you strongly oppose and disagree with the Equality Act that those men will vote on very soon. Meanwhile, this week, there was an individual, and I say individual because I'm not sure the pronoun to use, and it's not because I'm trying to be politically correct, it's because I really don't know. There, is a, there was a man, Richard Levine, who became a woman and is now Dr. Rachel Levine that is, has been nominated by Joe Biden, has been nominated to, be, nominated to be the Assistant Secretary for the Department of Human Health Services for our nation. This individual believes that children should be allowed to select their gender and have access to government-funded sex reassignment surgery without parental notification or authorization. Now, I'm all for children having choices. I think children should get to decide, do you want an apple or do you want an orange? Uh, Do you want to wear the blue one or do you want to wear the red one? Or uh, do you want to eat at McDonald's or do you want to eat at Chick-fil-A? And I think we know which one they choose there. I'm all for giving children choices, but do you, have you lost your mind? 
You think that a child should determine their gender and make that decision at school and the parents not be notified and the parents not authorize anything before that child is given medical treatment or prescriptions to aid in that gender change? Now, I wish I, wish I were telling you that was something I saw last night on the Twilight Zone. But this is real life. This is the country that we're living in. This is what we are facing in our world today. You say, well, pastor, I, I know somebody who is a homosexual, or I know somebody who is a lesbian, or I know somebody who is transgender. I know someone like that. And you know what I say to you? You ought to love that person. And you ought to pray for that person. And can I tell you, you ought to be kind to that person. But I'm not turning authority of my children over to that person. And I'm not sticking my kids uh, on, a, on a bus or in a van or in a classroom or in a locker room where someone like that has the authority and has control of their lives. Are you kidding me? Meanwhile, in California, there is a community college called Mission College. It's actually just probably five miles from where we lived in California. And this community college has a women's basketball team. On this women's basketball team, there is a man, Robert John Ludwig, who served in the Navy. No, um, no, uh, nothing bad about the Navy. But he declared himself a woman while he was in his 40s. He is now, or he or she or whatever he is, is now 52 years old. Keep in mind, this was a man. In the 40s, decided he wanted to be a woman. He is six feet, eight inches tall, weighs 220 pounds, and he plays on the women's college basketball team. Now, I got a question for you. If you had a daughter going to college who loved basketball, how excited would you be about that individual being in the locker room with your daughter? How excited would you be about that individual being on the court playing basketball with your daughter? Now, hang on, friend. Here's what blows my mind. That kind of stuff, this world's going to get worse and worse. I understand that. But here's what blows my mind. You know what the media has to say about that individual playing girls college basketball at the age of 52 who used to be a man? They, they say it's the greatest thing since peanut butter. They say, this is wonderful. This is awesome. This is so great. This person ought to be so proud of themselves. Can I tell you? We are in a mess. Whether you're a Christian or not, and I, I would assume everyone here knows the Lord as Savior, and I understand I'm talking to people in this room who I hope we're on the same page when it comes to something this obvious. But if you're watching the service or if you're listening on the radio, whether you're a Christian or not, you ought to have a problem with that. And you ought to realize that that is not the way it should be. I won't even get into the fact that we have now girls who have participated and excelled in sports their entire lives who are now losing scholarships and losing competitions to a boy who says, I feel like I'm a girl today, so I'm going to compete in this girl's race and is beating them all. Can I tell you that there's something wrong? 
Genesis 1.27, the Bible says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. That would be so simple if we could just get back to the Bible. These people that I've mentioned, just a few, are being lauded and being praised by the media. And if you dare speak against this, you are the one who is a bigot. And you are the one who is intolerant. Intolerant, But this is no longer about acceptance. This is now about forcing you to praise and to celebrate these people for their accomplishments. We better wake up. We better get back to the Bible. We need the church. You say, Pastor, why have we, why have we fought so hard even through a pandemic to keep the doors open? And why have we fought so hard to have a radio ministry and a live stream? And why have we fought so hard to have a tent and a drive-in? And why are we still having Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study and Sunday night? I just told you the answer. Because we need the church more than we've ever needed it before. We could talk about the violence in our own city this last week. We could talk about the drugs and we could talk about the crime and we could talk about the shootings that have taken... We could talk about all that, but I think you understand this morning. I hope you're getting the message that we need the church because the church is the help and the church is the answer for our society. The church, number five, we must have hearing. The Bible says in Revelation 2 and 3, it says seven times, he that hath an ear to hear... Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I believe that God is speaking to His church. I believe we've got to get back to listening to the Holy Spirit. I believe we need the preaching. We need the teaching of the Word of God. We don't need more of our own ideas. You don't need more of my philosophy. I don't need more of your thoughts. But what we need is more of the Bible. The church must get back to hearing what God is saying. And lastly, you say, well, pastor, thank you. I'm officially depressed. You have succeeded this morning. I came in feeling good and I'm leaving out of here. I am a wreck. Well, I'll say this, number six. I'll close with the hope of the church. You see, I'm not ready to pack it up I'm not ready to give up and throw in the towel. I'm not ready to check out because I know the truth of the Word of God. I know how it all ends. And I know that the hope of the church, Titus 2 tells us that we are looking for the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And guess what? We know the bridegroom's coming. We know the trumpet's going to sound. We know that we will not stay down here. Yeah, it's getting worse and worse. God said it would get worse and worse, but we know our hope is not in this life. Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is not in things. Our hope is not in the government. Our hope is in God. And I want to tell you as you leave out of here, if you leave depressed, then you didn't listen to the whole truth. You just listened to part of the truth of how bad it is, but you didn't listen to the solution. And the solution is that Jesus is coming back. And so you say, what do we have to lose? Nothing. We can just keep on reaching people, serving God, living for God, trusting God. We can just keep on rejoicing. We can keep on doing what God told us to do. 
We'll let Him take care of the results, but until He comes, may we be faithful to serve Him and to be what we ought to be as a church. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.